Amen. I'm appreciative of this opportunity that we have together. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The, uh, the Lord has been talking to me about some things, and I'm praying that He's just going to keep talking as He's already started with me, and that we'll hear what He has to say to the church. Um, th this passage, I, th I feel like what I am going to speak on today is just the life-changing power of God. And the scripture is full of stories where he brings a significant change into a person's life. And they were living this way or they were in this season or they whatever it is. And then you just see a complete turn a 180 degree turn and the Lord is he's just that good but this this first passage I feel like the Lord showed it to me and he said this is what happens if people don't change uh, if people don't change you know we were we, we are human we are human beings we, the scripture says that we are created in God's image and after his likeness that's how he made us but we are human, and with the human nature that we have comes this, I guess I would call it, susceptibility to sin. We have a sin nature. Now, God did not create humans initially with a sin nature. Let me make that point clear, because the way that He made Adam and Eve they were sinless and they were innocent. We say this a lot, and actually David wrote this in the, in the Scripture. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin, and my mother conceived me. And that speaks to the condition that humans now are born into. We live in what's called a fallen world because of sin, but thank God it doesn't have to stay that way. He wants to change and redeem every single person so they don't have to live a fallen life. But the first human being that he created, Adam, was innocent. He was so innocent that he didn't even know that he didn't have clothes on. He, he just didn't have, he didn't have the knowledge of the difference between good and evil. He, he was completely innocent. If you've ever had a child before, and while well, that child is a, a baby, just a newborn infant, that child is innocent in the sense that it doesn't know right from wrong. Now that child, if the Lord chooses to work as He does with 99% of us, it, and that child grows and becomes a young child, an adolescent. I wish Liberty was here. She would tell you the life cycle of the humans as she, as she said it to me. Uh, but it becomes, a, it becomes a, an adolescent and then a, a teenager and a young adult. And, and we know through the pattern of, a, of humanity that it's not going to stay that innocent as it was, as it was born. And so... The scripture says that by one man, sin entered into the world. Right? That's Adam. By one man, sin. That sin entered into the world. And that's the world that we live in. Thank God we don't have to stay that way. And he can change. He wants to change. He doesn't want anybody to stay that way. Susceptible to the sin of this world. But what, what we see here in, this, in Genesis chapter 6 is just before, and I guess you could say it's really the start of the story of Noah because it gives us the condition that the world is in before the Lord gives Noah grace and tells him to build the ark. And this is what it says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. The wickedness of man. Not the devil's running free and loose and he's just saw, you know, he's making the world a terrible place. No, it's the wickedness of man. Because men 
have this tendency. All we need, some of us don't need any help, but some of you, all you need is just a little bit of help, a little bit of inspiration, and then, wow, you are gone off the deep end in wickedness. And that's just because that's the human nature that we are created with. I'm not picking on anybody or saying anybody's worse than anybody else, but the Lord looked at the earth and said, the wickedness of man is great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what happens. That's what I said. What happens when a person doesn't change? And that wickedness that you get introduced to when you're a child or an adolescent or a teenager. And that wickedness is allowed to just continue. And it grows and it increases to this point where it says... Every man's thoughts were only evil continually. Now, I know that sounds like, a, you know, the, the world's worst place, but I don't know how far off we are from that sometimes right now in 2021 where you don't have to look far and find wickedness in this world, right? Most of us, we're trying to dodge it and weave in and out of it on a daily basis because that's the world that we live in. Next verse. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. Which man did he make? He made Adam. He made him innocent. But man fell through sin. And this it says that it repented the Lord. He wished he wouldn't have even made man because of how devastating the condition they were in was to him. He looks at man and says, ah, we would have been better off if I would have just never made Adam. Repented him. And it grieved him at his heart. In case anybody is wondering how the Lord feels. Come on, let me stay on the nice side today. But just in case anybody is wondering how the Lord feels about the wickedness in the earth. It grieved him at his heart. The Lord doesn't just smile when he sees a world that's in a fallen, sinful nature. He's grieved at it. He wants it to change. He wants men and women to change. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. That's what happens when they don't change. The Lord knew. And he, this wasn't just like a you know, trial basis. Oh, we'll create men and see how it happens. Oh, that's a bad one. No, let's just start over with dinosaurs or something like that. No, he had given man generations of chances. And thinking, I know that this father wasn't good, but he's got a son. Maybe this son's going to turn out better. Oh, the son didn't turn out well. He's got a son. Maybe he'll turn out better. And he's given men generations of chance and opportunity. But he says, no, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. The men are not changing from their sinful nature. I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth. In verse 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now we've talked about this before. Noah, it says he was a preacher of righteousness. I can't get away from the fact though that it said in one of those verses, man and not some men. And Noah was a man. So he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but he lived in a world where the Lord said, all men's thoughts are evil. And so we, we, I'm just, let me break down this little wall for you right here. We look at preachers sometimes and think, oh, at least God's saving them. At least God, they don't have to, to deal with the evil and the wicked nature. No, Noah was a man just like every man who had wickedness in his thoughts evil in his thoughts but God found grace 
Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He looked at him and said, I know, Noah, I know who you are, what you're like, and everything too, but I'm going to give you grace. That's the Lord's doing. We don't know why, how, what it was about Noah that was different from his neighbor, but the Lord found Noah. I believe it's because he was a preacher of righteousness. Now, whether or not he ever always lived up to it, he at least knew, hey, there's right and there's wrong. And men, you're doing wrong. And the Lord wants us to do right. That's what it means to be a preacher of righteousness. And because he was doing such, I believe the Lord says, I'm going to spare Noah and his family. I, lo- I-, I just like this sometimes. Because... There's people in here that you've never seen before. There's some people maybe that are, that are you, you might see them just on a once a week basis, once an hour, and that's it. You, once a week for an hour. And we think, well, I, I think I know that. Did I see you at church? Did you go to uni? Yeah, I think you look familiar. But you know what? We, we all go back as far as Adam and Eve. We also all go back as far as Noah. So you're basically my brother. You're basically my sister. We have the same great, 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 stop me when I get there, great, 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 great grandpa, Noah. We do. Noah had three sons, and those sons, after they came off the ark, went into different parts of that region, of that country, and some went here, and some went there, but they all had the same dad. So you don't even get to say, yeah, but I, 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 I know we're kind of the same brother and sister, but my root only goes back as far as Ham or Sham or Japheth. How did they get here? They were the sons of Noah. That's a different subject for a different day, but I just wish the Lord would let me talk about it for a little bit. Because if you don't love your brother or your sister you can trace it back to Noah and say we we all got here that way if i just happened to be one of those that was born after the flood and not before the flood thank the lord for that but the lord gives us this opportunity to change i'm going to be jumping around a little bit here so bear with me Go to, um, let me find it. Mark chapter. No. We're getting there. Matthew. Mark. Let's go back to Mark. Mark chapter 10. Now, I told you the scripture is full of instances where a person changes. The Lord would bring about a situation and change them completely. You know, I'm not going to read this one, but one of, the, one of the more popular ones is who we call the Apostle Paul and his change. He had a conversion experience and he was on the road to Damascus and he was Saul and he was going to persecute Christians. And then he became one. He, I say that lightly. He became one. I mean, he became such a one that the Lord would use to say, I can write my word through you. I can speak my word to you and you've changed so much Paul you've changed so much that I can trust I can entrust you with my holy word and let you speak it, write it, declare it for the rest of humanity that's a pretty significant change right? I know he was a missionary and he was an apostle Thank the Lord for all that. He did so much good stuff. But he wrote 
over half of the New Testament that we still read today and we say, oh, that's the Word of God. You know how we got that Word of God? Because a man changed. He changed from Saul to Paul. Another one is Peter. And they're sitting at, uh, at, the, um, at the fire after they get off of a boat. And most of the time, if you look in the early chapters, it says Simon who was called Peter. Or sometimes it called him Simon Peter. When Jesus happens to have this one particular um, encounter with him, he, ca he calls him Simon Barjona. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to me, to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto you, thou art Peter. You were Simon Barjona to me, but I've changed your name, I've changed your identity, and you are no longer Simon the fisherman. You're no longer even Simon the disciple. You are Peter. That name means rock. And upon this rock, what rock? Him. Upon you, the rock, I will build my church. Now it's not a coincidence that you look in Acts chapter 2 and the rock, not Dwayne Johnson. I read somebody's mind. The rock, Peter, stands up and says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and the church was built that day on that rock because a man changed that's the power the life changing power of God I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Saul changing to Paul. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Simon Peter changing to Peter. Now we get to be a part of this thing called the church. I want to tell you, talk to you about this one kind of change. Mark chapter 10 verse 6. Though most of us, many of us, this is, maybe is, could be, certainly is for some of us, one of the most significant changes we've ever gone through in our life is this thing called marriage. You probably have heard this. Marriage changes a person. Now, I say that positively. Thank the Lord. Marriage changed me in a good way. I've got Miss Red Riding Hood sitting right there. She's wearing a red jacket for those that are wondering what that means. The Lord changed us. If you're married, the Lord changed you. Here's just a little glimpse at the scripture of what that means. Because when the Lord says it, it's true. Amen? When the Lord says it, it's true. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you the, the context here so we don't have to read it all. But some Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, we're going to trick you. Can a man divorce his wife? And Jesus, he, re, he recalls this. And again, I told you I'm sparing you the context. You don't get to have that fun stuff today. But this is what Jesus says, because he hearkens back to the word. He says, but from the beginning of creation, we just talked a little bit about that, Adam and Eve. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Next verse. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Leave. Everybody say leave. You're going to change. You're not going to stay how you were. I got a problem if a man marries a woman and they just keep living like he never got married. Or like she never got married. You're going to leave some things. And you're not going to be the same a change. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Next verse. And they, twain, that means two, and they too shall be one flesh. 
I like Jesus math. It's really easy. I already said it. If he said it, it's true. You take two and you get one. And now he looks at two and he sees one. So then they are no more twain. There is no more two. That's a change. You, ooh, you have to change when you get married. You don't get to stay the same. Not in God's eyes. And that's what matters, amen? In God's eyes, when you get married, He says, I see one person. It might help some of us, and I'm not trying to teach a marriage seminar today, but it might help some of us if we look in the mirror and say, that's not just me. That's us. I'm not seeing one. I'm seeing both of us. And the Lord's look, looking at you and He's saying, I'm not just seeing just you anymore. You too became one. Man. This doesn't even feel like 2021, does it? When you talk about something like that. What do you mean, two becoming one flesh and a husband leaving his, his parents and becoming one with his wife? Pardon me for this expression, but we do that every Friday night. Whose eyes are we talking about? We're talking about in God's eyes. In God's eyes. You love how quiet it is in here. Did you notice that? In God's eyes, he sees that action and he says, all right, you two just became one. Where is room for that in 2021? You don't hear this preached much, do you? When's the last time you heard this preached? Everywhere, anywhere. Oh, we just, uh, no, dude, we got to be, this is the world that we're living in. All right, so we're changing the rules. Is that what you're saying? We're changing the word of God to fit the world that we're living in? Oh, you, you got to be careful. You're going to make people mad. You're going to offend somebody. Good. Offenses must come because of the word. Offenses must come because of the word. You don't hear the word, you don't get offended. You, oh, if you're, what are you listening to? When's the last time you got offended? Oh, I'm just perfect. Okay, good. The rest of us, we need to hear some stuff that will offend us. Because if I am not perfect, I need to hear the word of God. It's going to bring change into my life. It's going to bring correction into my life. what Jesus said. Woe unto the world because offenses must come. You're not one this you're not one flesh anymore. You're not you're not just a solo. They too shall become one. Talk about change. Talk about change. That's the biggest one. But you know what? The beautiful thing about it is it is ordained by God. It is ordained by God to change, to leave being single and become one with another person. It's a change. Somebody say it's a change. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Talk about another change here. 
Most of you have heard this passage before. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. The unrighteous. Be not deceived. Fornicators, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Next verse. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. This is quite the laundry list here. No, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous. We sum all that up as saying the unrighteous. Oh, but I'm just a thief. Okay, you're on the list of unrighteous. I'm just a whatever. You pick one. You're on the list of unrighteous, and unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's what the Bible says, right? You don't get mad at me. I'm just reading you the Bible today. You're mad, get mad at the Lord. And then repent. I think that's what he wants us to do. Such were some of you. Such were. You were that. You were unrighteous. But you are washed. You went through a change when you were washed. But you are sanctified. You went through a change when you were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. You went through a change. You were that. But you are no longer that because you, you experienced the life-changing power of God in your life. And now you are justified. You are righteous. And by the Spirit of our God. Look at... Look at Genesis chapter 32. We're talking about change. Every one of us has to change. And if you stick around long enough... God's going to change you, and then He's going to change you some more, and then He's going to change you some more. We call this perfecting. Perfecting. Most of us, if we live long enough, we go through these different seasons of our life, and we say, I'm not the... None of us are who we were in 2019. Because none of us knew about this thing called coronavirus in 2019. But the Lord took us through a season, you know what? And He changed us. Thank the Lord for that. In just a year, a year and a half's time, He could change you such as that. You go through a season and, then, and the Lord says, I, I love you, but i got to change you some more. I've, you've, you've experienced this, but I've got to change you some more. This is what we see happen in Genesis chapter 32. Verse 27. Genesis 32, verse 27. Now, you, I, I, just for the sake of time, let me read and you'll catch where we're at. He said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. If you know the Old Testament story, you know Jacob, the son of Isaac, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is, who's, who's asking the question? This is an angel talking to Jacob that says, What's your name? The angel says it. My name's Jacob. He said, verse 28, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. I'm changing you. You are experiencing the life-changing power of God right now in this moment, Jacob. I'm not calling you Jacob anymore. But Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. You went through a change. You're, you're, you're in the middle of this process, but when you come through the process, you're changed. You have prevailed. You have power. You got, how did you get the power? He got it through wrestling through that encounter. 
Some of us want to quit in the middle of an encounter, a fight, an argument, whatever, that a season that the Lord's put us in that's a really difficult one. Because, no, I, I don't want to go through that. In essence, what we're saying is, I don't want to change. I like who I am. I like my comfort zone. I like this status that I'm used to. I don't want it to change. Imagine if that had been what Jacob said when he's, he's there. I picture it like a, like a uh, I think they call that a grappling hold in wrestling. You've got your hands on the shoulders of the, of the opponent, and they're wrestling. And just imagine if Jacob said, oh, that's enough. I can't go through with this anymore. Uh, the, I think the angel would have said, all right, see you, Jacob. Enjoy being Jacob. You're staying Jacob. But because he continued, because he wrestled and prevailed in that encounter, the Lord said, I'm changing you. Hear me right now. I hear the voice of the Lord. If you are in the middle of a challenge right now, if you are in a season of your life that feels like I keep losing, I keep losing this, I'm fighting this battle and I'm losing. And you know what? I, I, I don't even want to fight anymore. But then I find myself right back in the middle of the battle, even if I try not to fight. And I just keep fighting and I keep losing. The Lord would tell you today, if you keep fighting, you will prevail and I will change you. You will not be who you are. Second Samuel chapter 2. Verse 13. Another very, I see this one and I see a dramatic, dramatic change in an instant. I see a dramatic change. Brother Troy, it's good to see you today. I see a dramatic change when I see this specific passage with David. If you know the story of David, you realize he, he became one with someone if we can hearken back about 10 minutes ago. He became one with someone, this lady, and it wasn't right. It didn't please God. This is what we're reading here. Joab, the son, let me make sure I'm in the right place. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. 2 Samuel 12, 13. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David's in the middle of a, of a, of a life-changing process. He had just done something very wrong. I wish I had time today for the sake of how much we love David to go through all the early parts of his life and what we love about him. Because I, I want you to remember who we're talking about. David, the psalmist, the one that wrote all those lovely, wonderful things in Psalms. He goes to the prophet, or the prophet comes to him, and now he's going to confess and be honest and say, I have sinned. I have sinned. You know, that's the start of the change. That's the start of the change when you confess. Be honest. It's the start of the change. And Nathan says, yes, and the Lord has put away thy sin. He's forgiven you of your sin. But the child that was conceived in this act is going to die. That's what he said. Let me look at it one more time. Verse 13. Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Verse 14, Be, However, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child shall surely die. The child shall surely die. Verse 15, Nathan 
departed unto his house, the Lord struck that child that Uriah's wife bare, and it was very sick. Verse 16, David therefore besought God for the child. I told you I see a dramatic change. Watch the dramatic change. David confessed. David confessed. And now he's going to go through this situation. They, the, the Lord used the prophet to tell David the child's going to die. David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. He's in the middle of this, this trial, this very difficult trial. Next verse. The elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. He's already been given the word of God. The child is going to die. He's already been told. He's confessed and he's in this process. He's been told the child's going to die, but he's sitting there. And this, what I see is this is how he is processing the information. And it said he besought God. He's going to God and asking, praying. It came seven days like this. It came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. The word of the Lord is fulfilled. And the servants of David reared to tell him that the child was dead. Will you pray with me for just a moment before we move further? Lord, I thank you. I believe you love each one of us, God. I believe that you know the situations that each person is facing here right now. Lord, I know that you want each one of us to change, to be changed into your image, to be made like you, God, not conform to this world, not conform to this world, Father but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let me, let me uh, clarify something that I said earlier. I'm talking about the world, right? And what we see as, in the Scripture, God ordained physical relations between a man and a woman, that is, husband and wife, the world no longer looks at it as such because sin has taken the world to such a degree. And when I said earlier, we do this frequently. I think I said every Friday night. I'm talking about the state of the world, the sin that has gotten such to such a degree in the world that says it's no longer something we bat an eye at. We, we, you know, you get there by not reverencing God, okay? By not, either not knowing His Word or willfully going against His Word. One of those two things is happening every time. Now, the Lord, and listen, the Lord deals with, bo they're both sin. Let me make this perfectly clear. They're both sin. One is a sin without knowing what's righteous, but because you are born in a sin nature, you're just going to do unrighteous, unrighteousness. But when you know and you still intentionally disregard the Word of God, the Scripture says if he knows it's right and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. The scripture makes it very plain. We were, the word in, in Corinthians that we read, that word fornicators, that's just an example of how plainly and throughout scripture, scripture deals with the situation. I tell you what, if you really want to 
If you really want to get entertained by the Word of God, get a different translation of the Bible and just play it. Go to some of these chapters. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and play that in a different translation. You'll hear words and you'll start to blush. I didn't know that was in the Word of God. I didn't know God felt that way about this. I didn't know that he even was a... <laughs> I didn't know that God knew. Really. <laughs> I didn't know that God knew. The all-knowing God. The one that gave you ten toes. Ten fingers. Twenty fingernails. Well, no. Twenty finger plus toenails. Sorry, i got to correct the math in my head. The one that knows and did all of that... We're going to sit here and think, oh, he, he doesn't know what, what I face whenever I hang out with this person. He doesn't know the influence that this person brings into me. You know, I get together with these, this certain group, and they talk like they don't know about God and righteousness and sin. And I thought that was what was normal. I thought that was, you know, the world that we live in. And, and, and God, I, you know, I feel like he's just kind of standing around the corner and waiting for all that kind of talking to be done. God knows and he sees everything. Everything. Whether the person, hear me, whether the person knows him or not, God knows them. Everything about them. Just like he knows everything about you, and the person sitting to your left and the person sitting to your right, he knows all of... Oh, I don't know. I thought we were the good church people, so we're the, we're the God-aware ones. And the rest of the world is just getting this kind of free pass. That's not the case. It's not the case. Let me, let me finish with this scripture. The, the scripture says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All. Everybody say all. All. All men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us. What does it do? The grace of God teaches us. Now all men is not all the ones that are in the church. Okay? It includes those that are staying home watching football today. Or those that are at the bar today. Or the, the crowd that's in Walmart right now. Pick one. Terrace Heights or West Valley. Fred Meyer. Everybody, everywhere. All men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I have to use this verse frequently. And I have to remind myself. Because... I could get along with God and think, Lord, but what about so-and-so? Did they get a chance? Have they had a chance? Will they get a chance? But the Lord constantly gives me this scripture. The Lord, uh, he, He's not willing, we read this, He's not willing that any should perish. The Lord does not have a certain group that He said, uh, yeah, I want everybody to be saved and make it to heaven except those. The Chicago Bears fans. No. I want everybody to make it except those, the French. No. I want everybody to be saved except, and then you, you fill in the blank and you think, okay, well, that must be why he's, no. He's, he's working this way, and he wants every single person. Now, the scripture, I don't have to figure it out. If God said it, it's true. His grace has appeared to all men. Teaching us that living godly, soberly, righteously in this present world. That's what His grace does. It teaches us not to live like the world. It teaches us to change. He says it, come out from among them and be ye separate. That means you are like them, but I want you to change. You were like them, but you've experienced change. 
the life-changing power of God. I love this. If we had the time and had the liberty today, we could bring up so many individuals just in this room and let you testify about how God changed your life. I was this. I was living this way. I was one of those on the list that we read. But I got washed. I was sanctified. I became righteous. The Lord made me righteous. And He changed me. Why don't we stand? So let me finish that passage of David that we were reading. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but the Lord had told him the child's going to die. He goes and he prays and he fasts for seven days and then the child dies. Now, it says it right there that his servants are entering the room and they're whispering to one another, thinking he's so bad off right now. I don't even think we can tell him that the child died. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I've never seen him like this before. If we give him one more bit of bad news, if we give him one more reason to mourn, we don't know what's going to happen. And David hears this. He picks up on it. Oh, they're whispering. Something must be going on. It says, and he asked them, did the child die? They said, yes, clearly you're smart enough to figure this out. The child died. The, the scripture says the dramatic change. David stands. He gets up off the earth. He's been there for seven days, hasn't eaten, hasn't slept. He gets up. He goes and changes his clothes and washes himself and starts to eat. And, and, and he's not the same person that he was just moments before. And this, the servants, they're confounded by this. And they're thinking, should, this is like opposite. It should be the other way around. I mean, we thought you were going to go even further down in the depths of despair when we told you this. But he changed. And he said, while the child lived, I was beseeching the Lord. I was asking the Lord. I was begging the Lord. Hear me. I, I believe the Lord is talking to us in this room right now. While the child was alive, I was begging and I was pleading with God and, and thinking, Lord, it, you can change this. You can do something about that. You can forgive. You can, and all that. And then it became final. The child died. And he said, I cannot bring that child back. Mm -mm. The one who could bring him back acted, and he acted in the opposite way. He took the child. I'm only recognizing him as the one with the ability to do what's needed to be done. And since he's acted, since he's performed this, my, my work is done. My job, my worrying, my praying, my fasting, all of that is over. And now it's, you know what, it's in the Lord's hands. And we see the dramatic change in David. It says he goes and he comforts his wife. He, now, he's, now he's present in the way that he wasn't for a week. He's, a, he's there. He's almost like he, he got back in his right mind and remembered what's going on here. But it's a dramatic change. And he, even in that, what seems like a very negative, difficult experience, he experienced the life-changing power of God. And he realized, I can only do my part, but when the Lord has the final say, I have peace with it and I move on. And that's a change. That, 
I feel this. That is the change that the Lord wants to get us to. Have peace and move on. No, that sounds rude and callous and cold. No, it doesn't. It's I have peace with God. Does that mean David didn't care about the life of that child? No, he prayed and fasted for seven whole days. Pleading with God. But now, Lord, I know that it was you. You acted in this way. You are in charge. And because you acted in this way, I accept that and I'm moving on with peace. Every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to pray and talk to the Lord. I feel His Spirit here ministering to us. Father, we have peace with You today. Lord, I put every situation in Your hands. This is the change, God. This is the change that You would desire to see in each life today, God. To stop trying to work out things our own way. To stop trying to make our own ways, Lord, but to leave it with You. To put it in Your hands, Father, and trust You. Trust You with it. Come on, if you need this, I'm going to open these altars today. I believe the Lord is here. He's going to minister this to you today. I'm encouraging you, just come and stand in the front. Kneel if you want. Find a place to pray and let the Lord bring you this life-changing power that we're talking about. Let the Lord give you. It's the Lord. We sang it. He gives and He takes away. He gives and He takes away, but we still choose to say that the Lord is blessed, that the Lord is good, that the Lord is loving, that the Lord knows all and sees all. He's able to do all. Jesus, I pray, minister today. Minister your peace to your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Lord, I receive it right now. God, I'm coming to the end of my own self. I'm coming to the end of my own choices and decisions, God. The life that I've lived up to this point that's gotten me, Lord, into this situation. I want to be at the end of it, Lord, and I want to walk forward in a new life. I want to walk forward, Jesus, with peace, with wholeness, in the name of Jesus.
praying right now. Can we continue for a moment? Thank you, Father, for the work of your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the transforming power of your Spirit, O oh God, to change our minds, to heal our hearts, Lord, to heal our eyes. Thank you, Jesus, that you're faithful, God, that when you begin a work, that you're faithful to complete it. You don't leave us undone. You don't leave us incomplete. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. You know, a lot of times when it comes to when it comes to change, we can get so focused on the circumstance, and we can spend all of our time and energy praying for God to change the circumstance in the situation and forget that in the process that he's using that situation to change us and so I think that one of the first changes that we need to pray and allow God to do in us is God change my perspective so that I don't get caught up in thinking man that the problem is always my circumstance because if the circumstance you're in is happening to you, then God's allowing it to happen to you. Amen. And we have to have peace with that. That as uncomfortable, as, as unideal as it may be, God's allowing that circumstance. Sure, it may involve some of your own bad decisions along the way that have got you to that point. But whether it's good or bad that's happening, God's still involved in it. And if we have a right perspective and allow him to, he'll use every single situation to change us, to continue changing us for the next test, the next, next trial, the next wilderness, so to speak. I'm thankful that it's all just temporary until we get ultimately changed and glorified Amen. Once, once all the trials of this life are done and over, once we pass all the tests here in the natural, we'll be changed forever and be with Him. Amen. We have to continue trusting the process. One more time, can we just thank Him for what He's, for what he's doing? God, we thank You, Jesus, for every circumstance. Give me a changed mind, Father, to understand, to realize that you use every situation for my good. You use it for your good to change us, God, to shape us, to mold us. So, Jesus, we want to be yielded to it. We want to be yielded to your process, yielded to your plan of transformation of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray.